Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and get your gas station snacks because we are hitting the road with author Haley Newland to talk about road trip horror. So Haley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about horror on the road. Oh, man. But you're an author, so tell us a little bit about your book, Take Your Turn, Teddy. Yes. So Take Your Turn, Teddy is actually my second novel. Um, I wrote a YA horror book before that called Not Another Sarah Halls. Um, Take Your Turn, Teddy, I always kind of joke, is like my trauma dump of my 20s. Just here you go, the world, this is my trauma. (laughs) But it's so funny because it it didn't start out that way at all. Um, I thought it would be really cool to write a rural horror uh, story. I'm from Indiana. So it's just all these little things. I find out that I know about corn and like what kind of clothes you should wear when you're running through the corn, because sometimes those little, those blades are sharp and stuff like that. And that just doesn't occur to other people. And I thought that, you know, Indiana basements that, that, um, flood during heavy storms and tornadoes and stuff like that. So I grew up on a farm as well in Indiana. And so take your turn, Teddy takes place roughly in Delphi, Indiana, and uh, just very rural community. And my character, Teddy, he's not from Indiana. He's used to New Hampshire, kind of a bit more like trendy vibes and things like that. Um, And so him and his mother move to Indiana and they get a new house together after they leave Teddy's very abusive father. Teddy is so not used to this isolation that he's feeling, being alone with his mom. And so he he just, he hates it. And he starts to have some like terrible thoughts about being alone and what his life could be. And then he discovers there's a friend in the basement that hides in the shadows. Hmm. And everybody makes it out totally fine. That guy is just, you know, tucked away and doesn't cause any havoc. Um, <laughs> no, this, 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 we've heard this, we've heard stories like this, right? Um, yeah, so it's, it's intense. It's got 1970s horror influences like Halloween. Um, and it's so much about psychological trauma or, or psychological development and how trauma really plays a key part in that. And so what was so interesting for me was, I didn't realize how personal the story was until I wrote a chapter and it actually became, I believe the second or third chapter in the book. And it's where Teddy's mother confronts Teddy's father about him allegedly having an affair. And my editor goes, this was so real. Like I, I know you just didn't make that up. And I was like, no, that's, no, I mean, you know, if anything, I feel like I'm telling a story that's not mine. And so it was just this really strange experience where it was like I exercised something almost repressed. And it came out in Take Your Turn Teddy. It's got like wow. some nods to Carrie too. And yeah. It sounds really interesting. What part of Indiana? So about, I'd say about Delphi. So that's about 30 minutes outside of West Lafayette where Purdue Boilermakers are from. So not quite Southern Indiana. What tips should people have if they are anticipating having to run through corn stalks? Like if they're on a road trip that's gone wrong and they find themselves there. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think a just a crucial like rule of thumb is you need more clothing than you would imagine. Yes, you're going to get hot. But like I said, those stocks, they bend all kind of crazy ways. Um, if the weather has been particularly dry, those the thing is sharp. You can get little slices running through there. Um, you you just you always need more clothing. Always. I could say that. I feel like they look deceptively soft. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. I and people even do graduation photos, and their hands are like, "See, that's an Indiana graduation photo. Let's go out to the cornfield." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's even like, oh my god, it's so funny. I'm picturing like a blonde girl in like a white dress, and she's got her hand caressing the corn stalk, like Indiana raised. <laughs> <laughs> oh so take your turn, Teddy is Indiana raised. <laughs> I love that. I'll have to check that out. Um, we are talking about road trip horror today. And I wanted to know, what are your go-to gas station snacks? Oh, I love this question. So my go-to gas station snacks would definitely be Cheez-Its. Um, and then I know this sounds basic, but I need a water after I have Cheez-Its. So I need Cheez-Its, water, and then Cheez-Its always make me crave chocolate. So I like chocolate-covered raisins. <laughs> I like that. You kind of need a sweet and a salty. I'm right. doing hot and sour. Like I either want like hot Cheetos and a Diet Pepsi <laughs> or like sour gummy worms, specifically yes. the trolley ones. Yes. And I have like a very specific kind that I like and I don't like deviating from it. Do you it. have a specific color? Like do is one color combination your favorite of sour worms? It has to be like the blue and purple bag. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm the like same the way. the little one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the same way. Don't give me that red and orange. I'm confused. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> it's got to be the blue and purple. They just, right. there's something about it psychologically. I don't feel like yeah. they taste different, but I just, it yeah. needs to be those. Oh my gosh. That's a horror story. The guy goes up to his life. He's never had a violent impulse whatsoever. He's on a road trip with his friends and he's got that perfect snap. And they're out of the red and purple, and he just unleashes havoc on this poor town. (laughs) This interstate town. (laughs) Oh, man. Are you a big road trip person? Um, huh. Yes and no. Uh, It turns out, like, so I'm the person that, if this is what we got to do, you know, man, it's 21 hours from where I live to Florida, and that's what we got to do, like, I'm going to make a fire playlist. We're going to tell ghost stories. Um, we're going to stop for spirits along the way, you know, and, you know, maybe stop it in a graveyard. And, <laughs> and we're going to make it, we're going to make it fun. We're going to make it enjoyable. Now, if, if my mom is like, hey, Haley, for $300, we can, you know, pretend we're like luggage and get on this plane and get to Florida in two hours. I'm like, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't take as many road trips. My in-laws are about a seven-hour drive from here, so we do visit them a few times every year, and that's about, like, as much road tripping as we do. Um, I am, like, a passenger seat playlist person, for sure. Oh, me too. Yeah, my my boyfriend has to be the driver, but I'm also one of those people who your driving terrifies me. I'm like, oh, why would you turn right there? And he's like, what? (laughs) I hate driving so I just am comfortable if someone else is driving and I do not care right right but I have this problem where when I'm sitting in the passenger I'm also just kind of like I'm assessing too much 
Um, it's kind of like, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Um, it's one of the members of the Losers Club, the ones who's like the hypochondriac and is afraid he has every like is it disorder. Eddie? And, yes, Eddie. And so I, I feel like that because I'm also like, man, that guy stepped really close to the, like the street right there. Like, what if my boyfriend hit him and went to jail for that? And he's like, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah, that's stressful. But but stress stress stressful situations make for good horror stories. So that's true. I guess maybe it's just my creative mind. Maybe I'm gonna tell my therapist. You're just that. always you're just always in like story mode, like in right. what if. Right. I'm going to tell my therapist, I don't have anxiety. I don't experience dread daily. I am in my creative mode. (laughs) See how she takes it. What do you think works about road trip horror? I think road trip horror works so well because you always kind of get this unlikely cast. So even if it's a group of friends that have been friends for a long time, it's always this there's always that that member that okay why that who the hell invited this kid or oh my gosh I can't believe they're coming with us because now her best friend is dating that guy or you know there's always just these kind of misfits in a way mm-hmm. and so I think anytime you get an ensemble like that in horror it's it's brilliant I mean it works really really well in some some road trip horror and Others, it's it makes it like so comedically terrible. My example would be like House of Wax, uh, two thousand five. <laughs> but so I think it's I think what works so well is because of the the kind of free for all you get with the cast. I do like that. Yeah, it's putting like unlikely groups of people together, and then the unique stress of the situation brings out a lot from the group I also think there's like a weird kind of paradox of vulnerability where you're like you feel safe in a car like you feel like this is your safety and your shelter but you're also very vulnerable in a car at the same time and then I feel like when you're on the road you're also kind of like in this kind of liminal space where you're just like traveling from place to place right right and I like this idea about how how tight that space is how Mm -hmm. tight that space is and how how that really pushes the people together um I feel like all of us have had at least one car ride experience where you've been on the road for a while and you kind of say something and you're like that was weird like why did I tell that person that or um man I was in like a really bad mood or something it totally does there's so many little factors whether it's traffic or you know, an accident adds two hours to your trip. There's just all of these things going on around you that can affect your mood, you know, like your level of exhaustion. And Mm -hmm. so I do think there's definitely a mental and a physical vulnerability at play. Definitely. And I think also for their stories where you're in a car with someone and you realize they might be the evil. Yeah. And you're stuck in a car with them. Yes. Where do you go? What are your options at that point? Oh my gosh, you just like pulled pulled a scene right out of my brain. And so I feel like, um, like to me, I went to like serial killer movies, you know, where you get in the car with somebody and it's like, yeah, I'll just take you up here. Um, I kind of went to like devil all the time. Um, which mm-hmm. oh yeah. More, yeah, see, and some people will argue, is devil all the time horror? In my oh, opinion, yes, absolutely. Yes, 100%. absolutely. And so I just, that little 
traveling killer couple, um, that really stood out to me as just this little almost like side story within the devil all the time really stood out as road trip horror to me because yeah. the hitchhiking days, you know, especially people trying to get to see loved ones um, coming like back and forth from the war and things like that, trying to get these like random side jobs. And that just, that is a very scary time. So I can't even imagine what that would be like to get in the car and then realize something is not right. This is not the car I should have gotten into. Right. I feel like when people think about road trip horror, there's a lot of really good movies coming to mind. I know we've mentioned some already. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about one of my all time comfort movies, 2005's House of Wax. Okay, so I'm just gonna say right now that uh, you shared your list of movies with me beforehand, and somehow I just totally spaced that you said House of Wax, and I'm like a bad example would be House of Wax. <laughs> So I am terribly sorry. No, um, you're fine. I well, and I don't know how how familiar you are with like me as a as a person, but I um so here I have a Vincent Price tattoo mm-hmm. on my shoulder right here. Um, so it's got to be the 1953 <laughs> with Vincent Price, which is actually still a remake. Isn't that insane? I did hear that. That is weird. Yeah, yeah. So I I watched House of Wax 2005 recently because I was on another podcast. For the first time? Yes. And they wanted me to compare it to the 1953 one. So in in House of Wax's defense, 2005, that's a terrible way to go into a movie. Hey, here's this one that's totally different from the one you love. So, (laughs) and I, I, I... Firmly say that Paris Hilton is not the reason that movie does not work for some people. She did exactly what she was hired to do, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. Like, I watch it and I'm like, is this a good movie? No. Do I absolutely love it? Will I watch it every single chance I get? Yes. (laughs) Yes. See, and I... I admire that. And ever since I have seen it and I've talked to people about it and I do have a hard time, like shitting on it i have a hard time like saying this is a terrible movie um it's does it have bad movie elements absolutely but like you said that's also what made it really fun Mm -hmm. so if if i was like looking at the two for like the thesis of like my my mfa program or something i would absolutely lean towards house of wax 1953 but the thing is is it has just as many gimmicks they just look differently back then you know, and I, I think that was something I tried to keep in mind. Um, also, it has a pretty star-studded cast. It was hilarious to watch all these little baby uh, heartthrobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they pulled Jared Padalecki. They got Chad Michael Murray, Paris Hilton. Yeah, I mean, they might as well have said, like, hey, we'll do this movie, and then, like, let's go shoot, like, a, you know, like, One Tree Hill, like, spinoff or something, and they would have nailed it. <laughs> Also, Gilmore Girls, Chad Michael Murray yeah. and Jared Padalecki were both in Gilmore Girls. That's amazing. I think it's funny. And they were also antagonistic. Yes. I remember that. I remember Jared Padalecki giving Rory a hard time. <laughs> and then he's in Supernatural and I adore yeah. him. Also, I mean, the whole Wrong Turn franchise. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Wrong Turn franchise is so good because I feel like it's it's something that horror fans 
across the board, I think we'll at least understand kind of like the anxiety inducing just constant like tone of those of those films. I do like both versions of The Hitcher too. Like I watched the original. I think the original is definitely better, like the one from the 80s. Right. I remember watching the 2000s one and thinking it wasn't that bad. Yeah, so I think I saw that when I was probably way too young. And, um, (laughs) you know, it was one of those movies for me. And so there's a scene in particular that I think probably traumatized me to the point where I completely spaced those movies, like just blocked them out until we did this podcast. And, you know, kind of the same thing with House of Wax. I remember being younger like I can't, I, it came out when I was way too young to see it, but my brother was playing it in the living room and, you know, the movie's been out for a long time. It's mild spoiler, I suppose. When Paris Hilton gets freaking like impaled, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's terrified me as a child. Cause you know, then I would turn to like VH1 and there she is. And it was just, it was so <laughs> strange to me. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of traumatizing things in house of wax i mean there's the like super glued lips where she's literally like oh. ripping her lips open um yes. and then third padalecki getting his skin like they yes. don't know that it's wax and they keep peeling back the skin oh on my his gosh oh uh, that um yeah so anytime there's like skin uh i mean it can be as small as a hangnail anytime there's that kind of peeling in a horror movie um it's oh my gosh! I wish viewers could see the face I'm making right now. Uh, it's just totally like no 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 don't do it. And um, so when I was when I was replaying through through kind of virtual horror movies, I kept thinking, is that kind of a trope? Does there always have to be that pretty like intense graphic death? Like I just always feel that there's at least one like huh. kind of like cabin in the woods. Yeah. There's always at least one that you're like. Like, oh, fuck, like, fuck, did that just happen? You know, like, that's that's kind of like, is that a trope? I mean, for most horror, I feel like you got to have, like, a showstopper death. Because I feel like yeah. in Wrong Turn for me, it's the shovel. Like, the girl that gets, like, the shovel <laughs> across her face. Yes. And then, like, the bottom half of her body just falls. Yes. That, and see, that, like, um when when the, the kill, like, um breaks the body into pieces or something. And they just yeah. kind of slowly fall. Meaty plops. Yeah, meaty plops. <laughs> when, when my friend Jocelyn was on, that's what we called those stuffs. Like, I love have, that. You have to have the sound of like the can as like the pieces a, fall down. Can we make that a hashtag? Like put it on a t-shirt, meaty flops. What are your favorite meaty I, flops in horror? Meaty plops. Um, ghost ship is up there. The <laughs> ghost ship is way up there. So I immediately thought ghost ship and 13 ghosts. Yes. Like with the sliding yeah. door. Yes. And the one we ghost just loved- kind of watching. <laughs> we loved that effect in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And and so when you brought up, you know, we're talking House of Wax, Wrong Turn, things like that. Well, remake. Um, wait, hit your remake. Sorry. Um, then then I immediately started thinking about those kind of deaths. So I'm trying to think how how true that stands for road trip horror. This mm-hmm. is gonna be like we're gonna write a book about this. Yeah. Road trip horror and meaty meaty flops. <laughs> See, for this episode I also watched Death Proof for the first time because I saw that on a lot of like road trip horror lists. How was it? 
I liked it. I will say like going into it, this is probably something that's been known about it forever, but like the aesthetic is very 1970s. And for a good portion of the movie, I thought it took place in the 70s until like Eli Roth shows up and pulls out a phone and texts someone. And I was like, excuse me? Excuse me right now? You're like, did someone mess up? We don't have those yet. (laughs) We were also wearing like a very 2000s like polo shirt. Like his whole outfit was very 2000s. That's amazing. You're like fact checker. (laughs) But I was like, oh, this is, this takes place in the 2000s. Okay. Nothing. Like there was no technology up to that point that I I felt like a very deliberate choice, but it was like a whoa moment for me. (laughs) So did it have some meaty meaty plops? (laughs) Um, I don't think meaty plot. Well, Rose McGowan gets pretty thrashed. No, actually, yeah, there is, there is a, why can I think of the word? Decapitation? Decapitation. <laughs> yes. You were I'm like... making, I'm like, help me out here. Charade. Sorry. What is this? <laughs> I thought it was like record scratch. Like, mm, I don't know it. <laughs> no. Yeah, there was some pretty... Pretty gnarly deaths. Have you seen that? Okay. I, okay. So I haven't seen that one yet, but it's it's on my list, and someone recommended it on on TikTok as well. Yeah. And I love the era of like, how did we live without TikTok? Because like, I used to just scroll through every single um, streaming service, or back then it was probably like my DVR or whatever, yeah. and uh, trying to find horror movies. And it's just I love how TikTok has shown me all of these like kind of random some of them like super low budget and indie horror movies so i love yeah. that tiktok does that oh definitely i mean it's streamed like the way we recommend things and get information and it's spread amazing. news yeah um i will say another i think underrated horror anthology is southbound yes okay so yes so south when did that come out 2015 2015 okay yeah it's an anthology and they're kind of like interconnected stories on like a desert road okay yes this is yes okay so i picked one that was so old i didn't even know if you were gonna like me down for me to talk about it yeah that's fine it can be really old (laughs) okay so i wanted to talk about 1960 it came out 1960 the city of the dead now yes have you ever seen that film? Yes. Okay, so it has Christopher Lee in it, a very mm-hmm. young Christopher Lee. It's black and white. There is so much fog in this movie yeah. and mist. It is amazing. Um, so it's very witchy. Uh, I definitely recommend it for people who like very old, kind of classic feeling horror. But I, I feel like it's rare to find something where where the witchcraft is, is so in-depth, where it's a little bit... Um, almost like a studious kind of curiosity towards witchcraft. So um, what I love about this in consideration of road trip horror is this, this student is very interested in the subject of witchcraft. She's learning about it at her university and Christopher Lee is her professor. And he, after class, he goes, hey, I know this town and it's super witchy and has all of this history and you should go and you should stay at this, this inn and here's the woman you should speak to. Mm-hmm. Well, so she makes the trip there, and of course, things are a little strange at the end. Um, there's things ar- around the house that kind of pinpoint to the witch's hour. She hears people talking and moving inside the walls and underneath her floor. She finds 
um, like sort of sacrificed animal carcasses in her bedroom. And this came out in 1960. So to me, it just, it's one of the, the earliest films I saw that really kind of pushed the boundaries of you're traveling somewhere, you're traveling alone, you're a young girl. And I could completely understand how she would see this professor as somebody she trusted, somebody who would absolutely send her somewhere safe. And he's even said, here's where you can stay. Mm-hmm. And he's and, hot. But... And he's hot as hell. He's so hot. <laughs> and his voice probably makes you like weak at the knees because yep. it's amazing. Oh, um, my gosh. Like, yeah. 1960s and 70s, Christopher Lee. Yeah. Like, you know, you just walked into like a berry bush and died, but you sounded great doing it. <laughs> um, so City of the Dead, I think, is so much fun because it's it's less about kind of the road on the trip, but it's kind of like the road you don't come back from. Yeah. Kind of road trip horror. Who also psycho. I mean, we don't spend a ton of time on the road in that one, but. No, I would absolutely say psycho yeah. counts. And I, I, I love you so much that you kind of brought that up because I was going through my horror picks and I became super hyper critical. I'm like, they don't spend a lot of time in the car. They just get to a new place. Haley, is that road trip horror? <laughs> I get that way. Yeah, I would say psycho. Psycho fits the bill for sure. We're counting. Um, yeah, we're absolutely. I, I would say psycho for sure because it's another one. It's the road you don't come back from. Um, so I like this idea, especially in the 60s, of young single women going out and, you know, trying to find something for themselves. Like trying to, one woman is just absolutely after her education. And, and that's kind of awesome. But then at the same time, you're like, fuck, she went and did that. And I haven't seen her for a few days. <laughs> Ooh, also... This is Twilight Zone, but the Hitchhiker episode. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I adore that episode. Mm-hmm. I adore that episode. And I'm going to, like, do, a, like, a movie night and do City of the Dead, uh, Psycho, and then the Hitchhiker episode. Ooh, that would be a good, like, triple feature. A good, like, yeah. ending, ending punctuation scores. on that. Oh, I was going to mention, I was going to mention Midsommar. I was going to okay. ask... How much does Midsummer count? <laughs> because what I liked about it, what, why I think it works, is because it has that little trope that we talked about of this unlikely kind of group. And then, of course, there's that one person that's like, and you brought your girlfriend, like your girlfriend's coming mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, um, and one of the friends literally is like giving him shit for bringing his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there are insane deaths in midsummer and oh, yeah. i mean so i i like the idea that it's it's again it's the road you don't return from even though oh, somebody yeah. ends up kind of mastering the road it's like if someone else in house of wax stayed and made wax figurines with them you know what i mean <laughs> if they're, they're like jared padalecki you did you know what you're our may queen you can make you can make wax people with us and live in our wax house. <laughs> our, little, our little wax town. Yeah, our little wax town. You'll be our wax son. <laughs> um, I did like in House of Wax that it's like the good twins and the bad twins and like yes. Chad and why am I forgetting the final girl's name? But like they they have to come together and battle it out against like the two bad yes. yes i okay so i loved that too and i wish that more more horror films would do that like kind of like 
do the twin trope a little bit more, especially in horror, because even people who you think of like as identically the same, even if they're fraternal twins, it's amazing to see what they do out of fear, out of like, you know, just like adrenaline rushing and things like that. I think people would be surprised how different they might be. Yeah. Like, oh my God. You know what I didn't mention? Joyride. Joyride. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. We have to talk Joyride. So Joyride was, so basically any movie from 2000 to 2000, let's say seven I was too young to be watching it, and yet I saw it. And so <laughs> Joyride, that was the movie that made it. So if people said, like, hey, let's let's watch, let's watch a scary movie, I was like, fuck you. Like, we're going to bed. I'm over this. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> I feel like it was like that movie, though. It was oh, like yeah. the sleepover movie of the early 2000s. I would absolutely agree. And that would be such a fun question to to ask like other people. It would show our ages for sure. Um, but it'd be so fun to be like, what was that movie that you watched at Slumber Party? So I'd say art for me, it was Joyride and um, Signs. Signs. Mine, I remember watching Joyride and Urban Legend. Okay, yeah. Okay, Urban, Urban Legend was a real big, yeah. Mm-hmm. Real big. Also, opener. Road trip. Open. Girl, girl drive, woman driving on her own, stops at yes. a gas station. Single white female. <laughs> got a got a showstopper decapitation, rolling yes. window down, head flops out. I think we are so onto something that road trip horror, like road trip horror, especially. I'm just maybe maybe it's because. They're always in these places that you expect to be safe and then they're just not in like seconds. And I think that's another powerful thing about road trip horror is there's always this urgency because you're on the road, you don't know where you are, or, um, you know, there's some kind of conditions around you that makes you think you have to, you have to get out of there. Um, and I just think that it's, it's so wild to just see how one thing can be so stationary or fun in the mm-hmm. car and then you have someone getting decapitated or something like yeah. that Ooh, I, well i mean going back to joyride i think that's also like you feel a sense of confidence and safety being in a car and they start playing with the radio and like messing with people and that's a prank that comes back to bite them in the ass but then also like they think they're safe because it's like oh you know you feel so anonymous out on the road definitely it's the anonymity. That's what it is in road trip horror. Even if you're in a group, you feel kind of that that anonymity of, you know, we're in this car. Even if I see somebody, it's like a passing thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I feel like that's, it's definitely easy to kind of be dismissive too. Because I love when they're, when they're still traveling and yet some things have already started to feel wrong because mm-hmm. it's too easy to say, Oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be miles from that, you know, in, in just like an hour or so, or something like that. You just kind of think that some things are just passing things when yeah. really they're omens. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. One trope I came across in my books, but I don't know that I came across in too many movies is in all three of my books, there's a scene where there's like a big confrontation like they stop somewhere to get food at a gas station or whatever and there's a big confrontation of some kind 
So do you mean like an, an unplanned con- yes. confrontation? Okay. Okay. I Like someone said something and we're throwing and hands sh- or like yes. stakes are getting escalated. <laughs> and see, that's why I love House of Quacks because it's like they had little, yeah. little moments of confrontation and shade. And then it's like, I'm not going to throw you the football. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell man yeah you're why is your brother so mean to me yeah you even throw me the ball bro (laughs) listen that movie is silly and i love it no and you know what i'm not even like hating when i'm sorry i'm not even hating when i'm poking fun i think i'm actually enjoying like you do you do like that's that's part of the appeal with like scream and stuff you know is it's goofy and This episode is brought to you by Fangoria, the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979. Listeners can use code BOOKSINTHEFREEZER to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first-time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code books in the freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. All right. Well, are we ready to talk about some books? I am definitely ready to talk about books. Okay. I am going to start off talking about Monster Sona by Chloe Spencer. This is a YA story. It was so fun. Uh, So this is about Riley, who's kind of getting used to living in Maine with her mother after her parents' divorce. She's living in this small town. And there's a company, Titan Technologies, that kind of has a big presence in the town. I don't want to say runs everything, but a lot of people in this town work at Titan Technologies. Um. On homecoming night, though, Riley wakes up from a nap to see that her town is in flames and under attack. She grabs her dog and barely has time to get in her truck and get out of town. Uh, on her way out, she sees another survivor, this popular girl named Aspen. And so she like tells her, like, we don't have time. Just get in the car. <laughs> um, so Riley did bring her cell phone. She has plans to meet her father kind of halfway in Minneapolis and head to Seattle with him from there. On their way there, there's news that are saying that other Titan technology locations kind of just combusted overnight. All air travel is grounded. And on top of that, Riley is starting to develop feelings for Aspen. But there's something going on with her. She's acting really strange. And she thinks they're being followed. Um, so this is kind of a kaiju, sapphic, teen, road trip story. I had so much fun with this. I read this in like two days. Yeah. I couldn't put this down. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, Scare-wise, I would say it's room temperature, but there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't feel like I can really get into I'm sure I feel like maybe people can piece together things from the synopsis, but this was a really fun thrill ride. The romance was great. The monster elements were great. There's kind of this whole like conspiracy thriller part of it, like on top of everything, but it also has this emotional core with this divorce and grief. And, you know, these girls put in this situation where like everything and everyone they know is gone and they're out running someone like the stakes are so high. And there's, there's a dog that's 
along for the ride. Am yeah. I not right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I haven't read Monster Sona yet, but I, I am soon. And I love that. I love the sapphic elements in a YA horror story. I think that mm-hmm. that just, that works. It's, it's cool to see. And then, you know, when I saw Prey this year, the movie Prey, I was like, fuck yeah, we get the dog and the dog's here for the whole time. And I love that. So then to see like when Monster Sona came out, um, I was just like, yes, why don't more people put the dog in horror stories and let them be there as like the, the, the sidekick, just kind of the like motivation or the comic relief or something. Why does it always have to be, you know, dog die? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say it's pretty room temperature as far as scares go, but I had a good time. That is Monster Sona by Chloe Spencer. So my first pick is, um, I feel it's, it's popular, but it's, it's an underrated pick by this popular author. So I am going with We Sold Our Souls by Grady Hendrix. So I think this one is a kick-ass road trip horror story. Um, This one has heavy metal. It has, you know, rock and roll and Satan and selling your souls. And just, it's, it's a powerhouse, in my opinion. It's also probably was my favorite audiobook listen the year that it came out. The, the audiobook performer is fantastic. Um, So this one is about a... A woman named Chris, and she's kind of in her middle age part of her life, and she used to be in a rock band, and now she she tends and manages to a, a hotel in the evenings. So basically, a member that she used to play with kind of sabotaged everybody in the band, which they kind of thought that happens like commercially, you know, kind of like the rock star that went a little too far, took things out of bounds, that sort of thing, but. What if it went further? That's what Chris starts. She starts to wonder what if things went a little bit further. This wasn't just about him making money. This wasn't about their their previous frontman um, just stepping outside of the group, breaking up the band. What if he sold their souls to achieve his success? What if he offered up his bandmates for his own success? And so Chris, that totally disrupts her life and. There becomes, it becomes this whole big conspiracy and there's like a UPS worker who arrives and he's not a UPS worker. <laughs> and she has to go on this, this little road trip to a music festival and she stops along and tries to see each of her fellow bandmates from the past. And along the way, there are demons, there, there's possession, there is the Runaways, Joan Jed, and just some kick-ass music too. I built such an awesome Spotify playlist based off of this book. I love that book. That's when I need to go back and reread because also the first time I read it when I came out, I did not listen to a lot of metal. And so yeah. I think a lot of the references and a lot of the stuff that it was talking about, I understood it, but a lot of the references went over my head. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm definitely one of those people who... So We Sold Our Souls was very close and like near and dear to my heart. And so was Velvet Was the Night by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Because I just adore when there's that much music in the story. It just Mm -hmm. makes sense to me. Music, especially in horror, can totally set the tone. So even if you mention an otherwise upbeat song like 
dream a little dream of me by the mamas and the papas. You know, if you put that in place with like the context of say a murder or a murder scene, that just the mention of that song feels very out of place. It feels so wrong. And so I felt that We Sold Our Souls did that even in times when people otherwise might have thought, oh yeah, if you're heavy metal or oh yeah, if you like rock and music, you're totally into this satanic and demon stuff. And turns out it's like, uh uh-uh, we're not, we're just as terrified of that as you are. (laughs) I didn't know Velvet Was the Night had musical elements. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's amazing too, because it's almost like, so they, they even talk about how American vinyl records come into Mexico and they get sold on the streets at like half, half price and things. Mm -hmm. And some families even use them to learn English. And they, and it's, there's Beatles in there, which um, if, if you have read Take Your Turn Teddy or my short story in the slasher anthology, The Butcher on Blue Jay Way, the Beatles are my heart and soul. So there's Beatles in there. There's Elvis Presley, um, Nancy Sinatra's Bang Bang. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. amazing. And they, it really helps connect two characters who aren't even aware of each other until the end of the book. Okay. So I, I really like that. That's really interesting. Okay. That yeah. was on my list, but it's getting better. And you're like, what is it? Yeah, <laughs> that one, I, I, would, I would definitely say think of it as um, like crime noir you know yeah. it's not it's not high scare factor it's it's almost more like you would imagine it black and white crime thriller okay so i would say we sold our souls is is pretty mild um it's pretty room temperature in terms of like where the scare factor is now the extent that one person is willing to go to for fame is pretty terrifying is is pretty yeah that's pretty icy I remember having so much fun reading We Sold Our Souls when it came out, and I, I need to reread it. Do you, do you enjoy audiobooks? I do, and I, when you said that, I read it, I want to say as a digital copy. So okay. I, w- if I reread it, I'm going to do the audiobook. And that tends to be how yeah. I reread things anyway, for the most part. Me I too. tend to like reread on, on audio. And when you right. said it was a good performance, I'm like, okay. Good, good. So the the narrator's voice, I I am obsessed with her. Um, it's it's an older woman, mm-hmm. and her voice is. I hope this is. If she ever hears this, I hope this isn't offensive in any way. Um, it's got like a a grit to it. It's gritty, yeah. and I mean, but it's it's performative too. You know, is is the way that she. Yeah. But um. It's it's gritty and it's alluring at the same time. I almost imagine like um, Stevie Nicks now, okay. like trying almost giving like a performative like reading of of the book. Okay, Does that makes sense. <laughs> I get what you're saying. You get it. So my next pick is A Black and Endless Sky by Matthew Lyons. And this is about siblings Jonah and Nell who are taking a road trip uh, back to their father's house after Jonah's divorce. And they already kind of have a strained relationship. So the idea of spending like several hours together, especially him being in such a like vulnerable and emotional position, it's just not something either of them are really looking forward to. So on their way there, they stop at a biker bar to blow off some steam to get some drinks. Like, and there is a confrontation that happens, of course. Like I said, in all of these, there is like a confrontation of yes. some kind. And you know where I don't want to get into a confrontation? A biker bar. Wait. 
Let me tell you that yes. right now. Absolutely. I said, not. where? <laughs> where? Tell me. I'm telling you right now. A biker bar. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm thinking of Spongebob and Patrick now, like in this this Spongebob movie. (laughs) So that has severe consequences. And that's not it, because this coincides with a strange happening at an abandoned industrial site in Nevada. Nell is not herself. There is something lurking beneath the skin. All this on top of being pursued by a strange individual. Will the siblings be able to work together before it's too late? I would say in all of these, I'm going to say the stakes are high. The stakes are high in this. You are being chased by like multiple people. Um, There's something going on with Nell. She is not being herself. And whatever's wrong with her, like Jonah's in a car with her, grieving his divorce, (laughs) evading several people and dealing with this on top of everything. All this like in a car. Yeah, and anytime you're with a character named Nell, Nelly, something is not going to go right for her. Something's no. not well. Something's not well within Nell or Nelly. And yeah. my, and I know I'm, and I'm going to like share this on Instagram when it comes to my, it comes to mind for me, but I know there's an older, and it might even be a summer road trip horror novel. Shit. I'll have to look it up. But um, there's, there's this thing where, um, women who are named Nell, they always have some kind of like weird past or they have this like heightened sensitivity to something. And so if I'm in a room with my niece is named Nellie. And so whenever I babysit her, I'm just like changeling. (laughs) (laughs) Something's not right with you. Something's not right with you. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. This also reminds me, uh, Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, that now, it starts out with the road trip. Was that one of your picks? Right. Sorry. No, okay. no, it wasn't. Okay. okay. But yeah, The Haunting of Hill House, like the whole beginning part of that is her getting to the house and like kind of stealing the sister's car and her right and her inner monologue on the way there. And that's where we get like the cup full of stars quote. Like, I mean, it, those are like right. really important chapters. And that's right. like, very and important you- for the character of Nell. Just the yes, journey and- to Haunting of Hill House. To sorry, the journey to Hill House. Yes. And what's what's so amazing about that, um, first of all, we'll have to I don't want to lose this thought, but that does make <laughs> me think of Psycho. That makes me think of Psycho too, you know, because she has this internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not I love how it's shown in the movie, just like two minutes of her driving and all the other characters are talking. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about Hill House is the the first few pages that to some readers might seem like kind of you're like that doesn't seem as important i i would say like initially you're just like this is kind of a lot of information it's poetic prose that kind of thing mm-hmm. but if you think about where her end her where, where the story ends for her that is so the, those first few pages are so telling yeah they're so telling if you think about yeah her behind the wheel of a car yeah yeah i love you because i was like can i say it has it been enough time (laughs) i think we have to wait a few more years before we yeah we have to wait just just a few more years (laughs) back to a black and endless sky um (laughs) no i distracted myself when i was like let me talk about the haunting of hill house for a couple minutes uh because we're talking about nell's character's name nell and if you're in a horror movie in a horror story and your name is nell it's probably not yeah. going to go great for you. 
It just that's I just want one scene where everybody like she says my name's Nell and just like it's almost like breaking the fourth wall. Everybody just looks at Nell like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you bring danger, you bring in trouble. <laughs> um, but I remember I spoke to Matthew Lyons about it, and yeah, just the the claustrophobia of like being in a car and the horror that just works so well when we're talking about road trip horror just the the close quarters the forced proximity of it all right there's yeah because then this in this case there's danger inside and there's danger outside yeah what do you do that's yeah and I think that you know we talk about isolation horror and I think people always imagine it's it's um like for me it was a house on a farm where the closest thing is two miles and it's an elementary school you know, but I don't think people consider how isolated you can be in a car. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has been on those back roads or the interstate at two in the morning and it's yeah. just blackness in front of you. You know, like, I think that that is such an awesome way to use that, like, isolation, just heavy dread, which makes me think of Shirley Jackson's Hill House. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. that's such a key part, in my opinion, of Road Trip Horror is kind of instilling that dread throughout i'm putting it in the freezer the stakes are extremely high i remember so many like terrifying like set pieces in this uh when i read it so that for me puts it in freezer territory that is a black and endless sky by matthew lines i have to read that i mean it made it in the freezer my next pick is dead of winter by darcy coates Yes. So Dead of Winter by Darcy Coates is literally about um, a a group of people going on a group tour. And they're heading into like the the deep Rocky Mountains. And she's hoping the main character, Krista, it's so funny, I have Chris and Krista. Um, I'm going to say it one more time, single white female. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so she's hoping that this this trip that she's taking with her new-ish boyfriend, thanks for getting serious, uh, she's hoping this will kind of put some past traumas behind her. And what I love about this is the trauma kind of unravels throughout the story as we become stranded, stranded at a, along the way of, of our <clears throat> excuse me stranded along the way to the destination mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the best tropes of road trip horror is just kind of those moments of feeling completely stranded along the way oh yeah quarters become really claustrophobic because the the snowstorm picks up um it's a complete whiteout you can't see anything people are in dire um in dire need of some kind of of some kind of warmth they are looking for more clothing, trying to pull from their luggage, but they are stranded in the mountains trying to get to this cabin. So they end up finding like a little shed that they're going to stay at. And that kind of becomes where it's like an old Agatha Christie novel because slowly, one by one, group members of the tour go missing. And this is not a spoiler, but the first few that we find we find them in pieces. Ah! I love that, yeah. though. Yeah, I love it, too. I'm like, like, ah, that's terrible! Give it to me! <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Essentially the life of a horror reader. 
Yes. So this Dead of Winter by Darcy Coates, um, I have read a lot by her. And I think this one is definitely one of my favorites. I think it's one of her this this one is this one's chilly. It's frosty for okay. sure. Um, so if it's not in the freezer, it's we just took it out to put it on the counter, you know, letting it fall a little bit. Okay. But, but uh it's it's got a couple of places where I thought maybe um it could have been trimmed a little bit that at times throws off the pacing, but that definitely definitely doesn't doesn't weigh it down mm-hmm. so it's got so much just crazy gore that you wouldn't expect oh i i think from darcy Coates. yeah and I, I think if you're um an adam neville fan too you'll like dead of winter so okay. i feel like that's that's kind of like an intense comparison for darcy yeah. Coates. so yeah adam neville kind of good scares yeah Okay. I have that one on my shelf. So it's, it's good. So I will be I will be picking it up. I was kind of waiting for it to get a little colder, but now I'm kind yeah. of intrigued. No yeah, and it definitely it definitely has nods to the I'm gonna say definitely six more times. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to sell it now. Um it has some fun nods to the shining. I mean, we have some chainsaw moments. Okay. It was written by and for horror fans. Nice. Um, and that is Dead of Winter by Darcy Coates. All right. My final pick is last this year's uh, Bram Stoker Award winner for Best Novel, The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. And this is about a man named Mario. When we are introduced to him, his young daughter is diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he is taking a job as a hitman due to the debt accrued from his daughter's treatments and it's starting to take a strain on him on his marriage on everything um he agrees to one last job of course you know how these things go just a small thing just hijacking a cartel's payment before it reaches mexico no big (laughs) so he knows he's either gonna leave with two hundred thousand dollars or not at all it's essentially like the stakes we are dealing with. He's going with his friend and another guy, and the three of them have this plan, how they're going to go about it. And this book had me stressed, like stressed with a capital S, just like the people we meet along the way. There's like supernatural elements that get introduced. Like the danger level is always high. And it's like, not only that, but you are also dealing with a man who has lost everything and a man on a mission like this with like nothing to lose and the close quarters of it all. And when you're all kind of on a project like this, like who can you really trust? Right. 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 And I think, I think that um, who can we trust is such an interesting and isolating kind of thought that comes up with road trip horror yeah. a lot it, it is a hundred percent in dead of winter by by darcy Coates too yeah so to me that's just like that's when i feast as a horror fan is yeah. kind of this who can we really trust and you get to look at the whole cast and be like nope they're pretty sketchy i didn't like what you said earlier <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and you're just kind of judging all of them how much do i really know the person in the passenger seat right she played that one song and that wasn't the vibe yeah <laughs> 
I will say I went to the Stoker Awards this year and I was at like a table at the banquet and there was a guy there who was like, oh, who do you think is going to win? And I was like, might be recency bias because I just finished reading this like a week ago. (laughs) But I'm like, I'm going for The Devil Takes You Home. And he was like, oh, do you want to bet on it? And I said, no. I said, no. And it ended up winning. And I should have. You're like, I I should have trusted my gut. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I should have put like a dollar or something. Like I was like, yeah, "Yeah, I didn't take that bet. Yeah, no, I am so excited to to read that one. I heard that it is like a feast for horror fans because it's got that it's got that grief. I am I'm loving all the the grief horror that's being put out these past few years. It's grief. It's got grittiness, and it'll stab you in the chest um, multiple times throughout. I, so. I love that. That's just what I need. That's <laughs> how you're dealing with like horror fans. I'm like this yeah. book um, dragged me out into the road and stabbed me in the chest. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. I read when I read. You know, we were talking about Devil all the time. I was like, this book made me cry. I didn't think that I could ever love again. Um, I questioned my partner that I that I've been with for 10 years and my boyfriend's like you're telling this to me <laughs> you're saying all of this to me <laughs> I can hear and you like, I'm right here <laughs> yeah like but I loved it and he's like are we we good <laughs> but so I I just love I love grief horror because mm-hmm. it always raises the stakes yeah it always anytime you have somebody who is trying to prove themselves is trying to kind of clear themselves of something. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the the motivation and the grittiness of that person's um, like kind of strive is just going to be mm-hmm. that much more fierce and bloody. Definitely. Um, so for those reasons, I am putting this in the freezer. Yeah. Um, absolutely loved it. That is The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. That's a brilliant pick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so is it my turn? Can I go? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, My next pick is Dr. Sleep by Stephen King. Ooh, I didn't even think of this. Yes. And and so when I thought of this, I was like, she's either going to think this is basic as hell. Or she's going to think it's brilliant. So I saved it for last because I was like, I'm going to let her warm up to me. <laughs> Be like, hey, Haley's kind of funny. <laughs> so Dr. Sleep. This is kind of, it is, it's a sequel in a way. I would say in a way to uh, to The Shining. And I guess it really is. Yeah. It is a sequel to The Shining. I don't know why I'm being a, so maybe it is. Um, and I think the reason why I struggle to just outright say this is a sequel of The Shining is because this is this is pretty different from from mm-hmm. what what we're experiencing with The Shining. This yeah. is, in my opinion, so much less about the ghosts and so much more about you know the next generation of who experiences these these things. How do we do this responsibly? How do we protect other people? Things like that. All things we didn't think about in The Shining. We weren't thinking, okay, there's even more people like us. How do we protect them? The only little glimpse we get of that is Dick Halloran trying to protect Danny, you know? So that's what really stood out to me in this book. So, excuse me. So for those who don't know, um, the, not the, Dr. Sleep 
kind of follows this cult that is called the True Knot. And they are, they look like they're harmless. They look like um, kind of these like hippie, weird people, but they have these abilities, these powers that Stephen King fans have seen before. It's kind of almost like a telekinetic. It's it's almost like a kind of immortality as well that, that these, these people have achieved through those telekinetic powers. Um, and what is really cool about this is it follows Dan in the in the book. He's going, he goes by Dan instead of you know Danny. This is Dan, um, and so Dan has had some issues similar to his father. He kind of just goes on this like legacy of despair that his father left behind for him. Um, he loses his mother, and then he starts to struggle with the ghost of the Overlook Hotel returning to him. So as he's adjusting to kind of his adult life, life without his parents, he meets a young girl named Abra. Now Abra, we learn, also shares his gift, but she is the brightest shining he has ever seen. And this cult called the True Knot travel in search of people just like her. So these people basically eat souls, which is amazing there's also kind of these sapphic scenes between um rose the hat and uh snake by andy that i adore um which you know we again we didn't have that in the shining um and then this is just like a really epic face-off that i felt we didn't necessarily get in the shining so in the shining you know you have this great kind of chase and it's in the maze and it's it's awesome but in Dr. Sleep, this is where you get the face-off between Danny and those ghosts that have haunted him from the Overlook Hotel and are now after this young girl who shines brighter than anybody Danny has ever seen before. Yeah. This book is definitely in the freezer for me. I would agree. I love this book. And if we're talking about the road trip horror, I love that Stephen King goes into how for this cult the anonymity of the road is actually great for them and their level of transience and they and the way that they can just do what they need to do and get what they need to get and fully be on their way and no one suspects a thing. Yes, and and what's so I think is so cool about that is, you know, The Shining was written when we were just starting to use the word serial killer. When we were just starting to understand, hey, when we find somebody and they might have kill a person or two oh where else have they done this or have they done this elsewhere and that was kind of when we first started considering things like that especially with you know the interstates and yeah. more more use of those and so that's that's a such a good point about this is these people use the highways they go through these these little towns that don't have much more than an elementary school like a community baseball field and but that's where these other people who shine just like Abra and Danny do exist. And so I love that. They use the road as the, their anonymity. Like you said, there's also a power to it. They use the road to kind of stalk and to see mm -hmm. what else is out there. Yeah. And what's so scary about the True Knot is they can be miles and miles away from you and sense you. Yeah. And that's, so there's always kind of this, like, you are being watched that I felt when I was with Danny and Abra to the point that I was like, kind of looking over my shoulder. 
So Rose the Hat is sexy as hell. Yeah. But she's also scary, scary powerful. And she, she I mean, she hunts kids. So. I mean, that adds to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know. Not the kids. Saying it. But her being yeah, yeah, not the kids. Not the kids. <laughs> Scratch that. I don't want that Scratch out there. That. The ability, I think, to not only hunt, but to also gain recruits. Yeah along the highways that also makes this group so much more powerful um and yeah. we get to see that really really cool with like snake bite andy dr sleep by stephen king belongs in the freezer this yeah. has this has some graphic gore. um this has like at any time i think someone is actively hunting children and we are with stephen king and he does not shy away from the moments where some of those children die the, and the baseball kid scene has haunted me for years baseball boy baseball haunts boy? me yeah. yeah baseball boy haunts me so much um and then in the film mm-hmm. yep they pick the most beautiful child i love that kid I, I love every horror movie he's in um it's so crazy to me that that child is able to act through that scene and are they going to be okay like, do we, do we know, you know, that's, that's what we need in like 20 years. We'll make a podcast about all the kids that were on horror movies and just, are you guys okay? That'll just be what the podcast is called. Are you okay? It was a traumatic scene to watch. Yeah. I skip it now. I have to. Cause I don't think they like technically show, like it's just masterfully directed. Cause it's like, do, what do they really show versus like what is implied? Right. But it's no, still it's so definitely, stressful. It is stressful. It's the, it's the kid's anguish, yes. I think, that brings the it Screaming, home. yes. Yes. So the kid does such a good job. Baseball boy <laughs> does such a good job acting it. And King does a good job writing it. Because I remember re- when I was reading through some of those pages, just after I'm thinking Rose the Hat is so sexy and so sly and yep. like stuff like that. Um, and then I go to how she hurts these children. Um I'm, it's almost like a sickening. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that because this gave me that sick, like I'm attracted to somebody who's a complete fucking monster. Yeah. You know? And, and I think that if anytime you can put that in, in a character too, that's cool. Like yeah. if you had someone else who is like, this person's really cool. Also crow daddy. <laughs> crow daddy can get it. <laughs> I'll, you know, just throws the hat daddy we can make it like pansexual and <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that this is like a doctor sleep thirst fest yeah um, and that's see and people are i it's so funny because i was uh, on a podcast and they were talking to queer uh queer horror writers and somebody's made the comment pansexuals are so boring and uh i was <laughs> and then they're like Haley, what are you like what are you somebody said that what are you and I said, well, I, I'm, I'm pansexual. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And so Dr. Sleep came up and I go, I want snake bite Andy. I want Rose of the Hat. I like adult Dan. I like them all. <laughs> it's perfect for Thirst Fest. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I did have some honorable mentions that I still wanted to talk about, even though they aren't my official picks. Um, okay. I read the story Serafina by John Langan from the collection Serafina and Other Betrayals and that is a perfect road trip story. Have you read it? 
I haven't read that one. I'm like, it's like hurrying to write it down. The opening line is Lisa looked in the rearview mirror and saw that her eyes had turned black. Oh my God. That sounds like the beginning of a supernatural episode. Yeah, it definitely has that. I, I get that vibe. You know that she's driving hundreds of miles every day just across the country, and you know that she's chasing someone or something. And it changes its location every day. I don't want to say too much, but Jolene by Dolly Parton plays like a big part. That's everything I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good. I felt uh, a lot of emotions reading this. And one of them was anger. Um, So I don't want to say too much just because it is like a novelette. It's a little longer than a short story. uh, So good. So good. Um, And then I also wanted to mention Survive the Night by Riley Sager, which is also like who am I in this car with? I adore Riley Sager. Survive the Night for me, I went into it thinking that it was going to, I, I kind of thought of, um, what's the movie called with Zac Efron and um, he plays Ted Bundy. So it's like wicked, extremely something, wicked. Something like, why'd wicked. you have to do that? No one can say that. Yeah. I get it looks cool on paper. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Who decided on that as a title? Fire. And see, I, and see, when you say it, I'm like, it's, it's so good. But it's not. <laughs> it's like, it's, um, but it's it's perfect because it's, you know, it's like what the judge like says okay. at the end of the Florida yeah okay well that makes sense it wasn't just like a salad of adjectives that someone decided right yeah so it's it's something like a florida uh like um judge said at his final sentencing so i think it was meant to be like once you hear it you know once the the title is used it's like ooh. so the title (laughs) wins the movie yeah, right, right. Um, it makes me think of like Family Guy when they say Family Guy. Peter, Peter's like, because I'm a family guy. <laughs> I was thinking about that one girl who got away from Ted Bundy. That was kind of the vibe I was, I was getting like just kind of this like intense, like kind of noticing everything. Like, how is the door working? Like, are there like the car door? Mm-hmm. Um, what does he look like? What, yeah. what does his voice sound like? So I felt like when I started flipping, when I started reading that book, I was in that mode, like in that, like I have just been taken. Let me kind of gather as yeah. much detail as possible. I felt that just within reading the first few pages. Yeah, that was a tense one. Uh, it, yeah, intensity is is like the name of the game yeah. of of that book. All right. Well, I think those are our road trip horror picks. Yes. Do you have any chilling obsessions? Um, so a chilling obsession of mine actually has been the film Sarah on Shutter. Okay. Um, so it's a it's a Mexican horror film, and I adore Mexican horror. They always have a little bit of um like a Catholic religious um element to them. Um, you have like Mexican culture in it. Um, I love especially like old Mexico City, you get like the dirty war, the Mexican Woodstock, like so I just really love Mexican horror. Um and Huesera is really cool because it's it's a film about motherhood and Huesera roughly translates to the bone lady. And so this woman becomes pregnant and she's not like super excited about the pregnancy. She actually finds that 
just being pregnant before she even has the baby, she is already having to change so much about her day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, we get to see some grief. We get to yeah. see her grieving the life that she now knows that she's not ever going to get to live again. There's even wow. this really like heartbreaking scene where she takes down her studio. Um, she's actually a carpenter and she takes down like each tool one at a time. And like, and I feel like some people are kind of like, what the, like, what the F is going on? And it's literally her giving up her livelihood, her, her one little corner of this is me. And that becomes the baby's room. So there's just almost like these little torments of what she's having to give up and how she's expected to be. And it sounds like we've been there before in a way, you know, you're like, yeah, I've seen movies like that. The ending, I don't want to say too much, but the ending to me is what made it an absolute standout film has to be seen. And if I could put a film in the freezer, this one got me a few times. It just has these like faceless things that crawl around and their bones break. And so it's a pretty classic, I think, like horror image we've read about a lot. So to see it on screen, I feel like I was like, whoa, what are you doing here? Yeah. (laughs) That's why Sarah on Shudder. And it's directed by a woman. So yeah. That sounds really good. I want to check that out. Shudder has not been working for me for like several so someday when it decides to work i will i will watch it it's so sad i know i have been sad and the second question that i like to ask guests is what is your final girl song okay so that's such a good question oh my gosh okay my final girl song um since i have we sold our souls sitting right next to me and I thought this was such a kick-ass song. I'm going to go with Dead End Justice by The Runaways. Okay. And it's like, it's a hefty song. Uh, it's got that teen angst. It's got young Joan Jett, which she's like really pissed and like, hey, I'm going to be a rocker. And it's got this like really awesome drum line too. And so I feel like if it was in a film, it would be, it's such a long song. It could be like the montage of me getting ready. Yes. See, I'm picturing this me. I'm the final girl. Yeah. So it could be like the montage of me, like, uh-uh, this monster's gotta go. And then kind of me driving away or however I get away, all bloodied in the back of a truck. <laughs> and the song's still going. <laughs> right. I love that. I think I do yeah. that whenever I pick a song. I'm like, and this is what's happening uh, in the movie. Yeah. This- Picture this with me. Yeah. Yeah, we become like directors, like, <laughs> cinematographers everything. camera pans this way we zoom yeah. in on a, on a bloody hand it's my hand make, sh- not <laughs> make sure my nails are painted <laughs> i get that i love that i will be adding that to the list and last question where can people find you online so i am on instagram tiktok on x <laughs> yeah Twitter's version, and I am at Haley New- Haley Newland author on everything. Okay. Um, I am also going to be sharing updates about my upcoming book called Ooh. The Nowhere Man. Okay. Um, so this one, The Nowhere Man, is a different kind of trip. Uh, it's psychedelic horror. Okay. <laughs> so it's a, it's a different kind of trip. Um, it's kind of becoming my thing because Take Your Turn, Teddy. I think I forgot to mention earlier. It takes place in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So I love doing that because it's that it's that weird era where now we have killers who kill a lot of freaking people. 
And now we have music that makes people maybe do satanic rituals and my records backwards and, you know, just all of this fear of all this crazy shit. And so I love writing in the 70s. So I'm doing a psychedelic, I call it psychedelic spore horror. Okay. okay. Because it's psychedelic, but you're also going to see the classic mushroom image that, mm-hmm. you know, you see in, in horror, Mexican Gothic. Um, we have always lived in the castle, that kind of thing. So I'm really excited to kind of blend psychedelic mushrooms and kind of that mushroom imagery uh, in horror, the mushroom trope, I guess. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's called the Nowhere Man, which is also a Beatles reference. Nice. All right. Well, I will be keeping my eye out for that. And thank you. Thank you for coming on and talking to me about road trip horror. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I need to go through and watch House of Wax again. I'm going to watch Wrong Turn, The Hitcher, and I'm going to get some Cheez-Its, my water, and chocolate-covered raisins. Maybe some sour gummy worms. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the way to go. If I get a blue and purple one, I'll say that this is right. All is right in the world. All is right in the world. And you have like the little trolley worms. Right. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter or I guess X at Books Freezer Pod on Instagram and TikTok and threads as Books in the Freezer. And we are also on Blue Sky. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. There you will find a list of books mentioned, as well as resources and links on how to support the podcast, um, including affiliate links and links to Patreon and merch. So go ahead and check that out at booksinthefreezer.com. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on X at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at That's What She Read and that is That's with two A's. Thank you for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. Books in the Freezer.